Welcome to Reels on the Rocks, the show where your hosts, Whiskey and Sweet Tea, discuss film from the unpretentious perspective. In honor of Dia de los Muertos, we will be discussing Jorge Gutierrez's animated film, The Book of Life. Please be advised, spoilers are ahead. Hey everybody, welcome back welcome, to another welcome. another crisp and delicious episode. Or refreshing because we're beverages. First episode after Schlocktober. Schlocktober. We're here on the Dia de los Muertos. The Day of the Dead, for those of you who don't speak foreign languages. See, si. See. Si. But uh, this is the first time Whiskey's ever really seen this movie, I think. Right? You haven't seen this before, have you? So this came out. Uh, I remember when it came out, it looked pretty cool. Uh, I know one of your favorite filmmakers is involved producing-wise, uh, and that's what got me into it. But I don't know if it... It didn't really bomb when I looked at the numbers, so I guess it was just a limited it, release. It, it, but it, it, it came it, and it, went, so it, I never got made, a chance. It made to see double it. its budget. That's pretty much it. No, exactly. I like I looked up the numbers. It didn't do super well in the U.S., but like I guess it was just a limited release because I wanted to see it, but it was like mm-hmm. gone by the time I could have seen. I it, remember because so. I didn't see this in theaters, but I remember seeing commercials and stuff, and it being at least at least in my area, which would make sense because it's a very huge Hispanic population in my hometown. Um... But uh, they are right. I think it. Was, I don't think it was as wide a release as most animated films are. Which that'll kind of play into something later that I'll bring up. But I, so, so I will also say I don't think the trailer did the movie justice because yeah. it was very like by the numbers kids movie kind of you know with like pop music playing in the background and yeah. like because I remember I I wanted to see it because Guillermo del Toro produced it. But I remember seeing the trailer and being like, I'll go in good faith. Um, (laughs) And that's the thing. So like. uh, So for people who haven't seen this movie, it is essentially, you know, it is a it is a pre-Coco. I'm going to say pre-Coco. Yeah, that's the big comparison. That's the big comparison. And I actually have a bone to pick about that. And I'll share an experience about that later. Um, But so it's it is, you know, a Day of the Dead it's not really focused on the specific day of the dead in particular, but it plays a lot into that mythology um, and culture that is, that is very prevalent in in Mexican society and Mexican culture of the fact that there is, you know, a connection that the living has with the dead and, you know, your family and those who come before you. At its core, it's a love story between two characters, uh, not between two, between, it's a love triangle, really, between three characters, Maria, Manolo, and Joaquin. Um, and Joaquin and Manolo are essentially fighting for the uh, affections of the character of Maria, um, which I really like, and I'll explain why I like that later. I like that Joaquin and Manolo are, like, Man- Joaquin is not, like, just a straight-up jerk. That's something I actually was surprised to find when we watched it. Like, I like how the three of them are, like, best friends. Yeah, yeah. So it's not... But they're they're not, like, they're not, like, trying to go out there and sabotage each other. I was, like, a little bit, but, like, more outdo each other than sabotage. Like, that was the thing. I was expecting Joaquin to be, like, a Gaston kind of person, and he's not. He does does actually... He's more more complex of a character. He's not, you know, two-dimensional as far as just being a villain. And and, and, uh, that's one thing to do appreciate this about... um, uh, the fact that this movie has a lot of gray areas. But so it, they're vying for these affections. Um, uh, underworld creatures get involved and make a wager on them, which 
reminds me a lot of if you're a Christian and you have read the Bible, which a lot of people haven't, the book of Job is kind of similar where it's a wager on a mortal from between two overarching deities. In that case, it's between Satan and God as to uh, if Job will remain you know, loyal to God if his life basically sucks. And that's it's it, it, it's Or if you just like literature, it's Faustian too. Yeah. Like that yeah that's you. But you know, it, it, it's, th- that's really cool because you kind of get to understand, you know, the dichotomy between not necessarily good and evil, but you know, it's not really, it, it, you know, if you look at it religiously, it's not really good and evil because it's not heaven and hell. It's being remembered or being forgotten, which is a big part of, uh, Mexican culture, you know, you really do keep your the your family and those who come before you in mind when you're when you're when you are doing things. So, you know, they get involved. Um, I like the uh, dynamic between the two I elder lo- gods because they're kind of like a La Muerte. And uh, I always forget what his other name is, but he's gonna- he's voiced by um, uh, Hellboy. Ron Perlman. Yes, thank you. And I like that they're like a couple kind of. It's so but cute. It is very cute. I like that. It's 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 cool. very it's very yin and yang. I don't know how how accurate that is to the real mythology, but it was very cute to have like the two gods like not just be like rivals, but also be right. like lovers. That was that was yeah. cute. Um, so I mean, how accurate is that to the myth? Like that's the thing. I've always liked the Day of the Dead, but I. I it's not my culture, so, so I never got to celebrate it. So I know about it so, just through the media. Like every time there was like a, a Hispanic character, like in shows I liked or whatever, they would talk about the Day of the Dead. Yeah, and they that's it, it's a very very big day, and it's hilarious that people at least um, not to call anybody out, but specifically Caucasian individuals get really excited about Cinco de Mayo. When in Mexico, it's basically just like Arbor Day. <laughs> yeah, it's not Arbor Day, but it's basically it's not a big deal. Um, hey, white people will come up with any excuse to drink all day. <laughs> um, it's what we do best. So I as, guess. as far as far as um, now, I you know I'm not from Mexico, and uh, my family, you know, they are a little separated from the main tradition, so I don't have a, a in depth knowledge of the day that I can't be like your expert. However, I do know. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, the two gods are. They are part of the whole folklore. They are not, however, if I remember correctly, they are not in some sort of romantic. You that know, is disappointing. Liaison. But it works. It works for the story. I like that. I like because La Morte, it's death. Yeah. So I like that. Essentially, like at least according. I again, I don't know how accurate, but at least according to the way the culture is depicted in this movie, death is like a very nice lady. Yeah, death. In Mexican culture, and this actually plays into, I actually wanted to bring this up, Mexican culture, death really isn't brought up as something to be feared. It's kind of more thought of as, as you know, another stop on your journey well, uh, I love- uh, of life. And if you've, if you've ever heard uh, Guillermo speak, actually during, um, I think it was during a Shape of Water press tour or for his academy with, you know, some reporter, and I believe they were white, asked them, you know, why do you make all these, you know, these dark and, you know, you know, you know with these weird and creepy and unsettling things and, you know, still, you know, so and it's still, you There's know, come a, out smelling like a bed of roses. And he was just like, I'm Mexican, you know, no, and that, and that is that totally actually, true. That actually, that one of the, one of the lines I actually thought was kind of funny in this, one of the kids, cause there's a framing device which I'm not typically a big fan of, but it's done well in this movie is that it's uh, kids going on a field trip Mm -hmm. and they're learning this story at a a museum by one of the tour guides. And one of the kids uh, at one point in the story says, why are Mexicans so obsessed with death? I know. I love that. (laughs) It's like, it's so true. 
It's sorry. So, by the way, just, I just double checked. His name is Zabalba. Zabalba. That's right. Um, so yeah, so he's the other. So if I remember correctly, um, they are both important. I don't believe they are in a relationship. Um, La Muerte, as far as I know, is always usually depicted as a female. Um, because she seems nice. She, yeah, she's she's chill. But like, that's a big thing. But death is not something to be feared or to be ter- uh, terrified of. And if you really, you know, you watch this movie, that uh, death is sort of something that a lot of people will be like, oh, that's so dark. And they kind of just, it's kind of just like a thing. The one that I remember the most, it's the most shocking, is when, um, it's when um, Manolo's um, father is like, I'll buy you time. And it's like defending the town. And it's just like, it cuts the afterlife. He just pops up. Like the idea is that he was just brutally murdered by this guy. But like the fact they're just like, oh, hey, family, what up? You well, know, it's, it's something that it's like that most people, um, and I feel like a lot of, you know, Western culture, not Western culture, a lot of, um, I don't want to, I don't want to like bash on white people. I, say I feel, just feel like in like, especially a, a U.S. audience would find that to be a very, very dark sort of thing that's being made light of. And it's just, but it kind of just plays into this idea that, you know, death isn't something that's really feared in this culture, in my culture, in that culture. Um, and, you know, so I do, I do think, I do really like that they are able to make that you know, just th- that very obvious about what the attitude of death is. Um, were you well, going to say something? Well, I, so obviously going into this, uh, it's going to get compared to Coco because Coco is a giant international hit. The book of life came first, people. <laughs> well, technically the mythology came first. Anyone, well, okay. anyone can make a day of okay. the dead movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing. Like why I was, I got to ask, what's the bone you have to pick with Coco? Because I, I love knocking Disney down a peg and I love rooting, especially with animation for the underdog. But I, like going into this, you like, I got to be fair. So, like, okay, so, so, so I'm curious. So, what, so, so I have, so the thing I was mentioning is an experience I had when Coco was coming out. Um, I do have some other things I want to bring up as I discuss, you know, things I like about the movie. I yeah. do, I do personally, full disclosure, think this is the better of the two films. Um, but I remember when I was actually interning um, in Hollywood um, at a production company and you know, the people, they're very nice. They're very, very good people. And I don't think they're anything by it. But it bothered me that when they'd announced Coco was coming out and kind of what it was going to be about, um, there was an executive. She was, you know, white. She was like, well, you know, I saw Book of Life. And it was, you know, it was kind of okay. I mean, I actually don't even know if even at the time they'd even said what Coco was about. They just kind of said it was going to be a Mexican-centered story. Um, yeah, but it, it really bugged me that she was already drawing a comparison to this as though, you know, having a, a Mexican centered or Hispanic centered story is like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, Oh, we can try it, but it doesn't work. It was the way she said it just bugged me that she was, gotcha. already, she was already willing to write off Coco because she didn't particularly like this one. It's like, well, that's like if I were to like write, write off the book of life because of Coco. No, 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 no. Because book of life came first. She'd seen the book of life. Coco, oh, she was saying that Coco, Coco isn't going to be as good because of the book of life. She, 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 she was she, thinking like Coco she, she, wasn't going to be popular. Yeah, she, yeah, she, of, she, okay. she, she was already kind of just like, well, you know, the book of life wasn't that good. It's just, that's something I, it's like, and I know her, she is not, she's well, not, she's not a person that would be like you know, oh this that, that's say, that's a very kind of racist thing to say. I'm it's, not gonna I'm not gonna say that, but I am gonna say something that is 
almost laughable with a lot of executives in this industry is it's never the movie's fault. It's always what the movie is about. Yeah. Or the story. Like, it's never that the movie is bad. Yeah. It's that, which it wasn't. Let me, let me, I, I will get into my opinion on this movie, but it's not bad at all. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually quite good. But I do find it funny. It's like, if if one movie about the Day of the Dead doesn't do well, that means the Day of the Dead is a bad subject for a movie. Well, and that's like the way a lot of executives think, and it's just funny because it's like well, you it's, know it's maybe also, if you're like more critical and actually think about what didn't resonate with audiences, yeah, you know, because well, I have an opinion. Also, I don't even think I don't even think at this point they'd even announced what the movie was going to focus on. I think they just said it was going to be the a, original a, 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 trailer. I could tell it was the Day of the Dead. Well, no, uh, the, just I, from the trailer. I, no, I don't I know think, about. I, I don't think this was. This is just before they had announced the gotcha. project. They just said you know, it was. A, is it, I think they just said it was a Mexican or Hispanic themed piece. Gotcha. Um, called Coco, to be produced by Pixar, and the fact that she was already kind of just like that's all that always rubbed me the wrong way, and so. I, it's so, you know, I kind of, I, that, that's just, the fact that that conversation took place always really bugged me. Um, and like I said, she's not a bad person. She's not like, it's just, it was just that mentality that as, as though like a culture is, you know, a theme we can try out once and if it doesn't work, it, it, there was just something just so dismissive about it that really, really bugged me. Well, what, so going off of, so there's a couple of bones to pick with Coco. It sounds like what, yeah. why would you say that Coco is not as good as this movie? I would say because this movie now they now both these movies are made with a very, um, Hispanic heavy, uh, production crew, the animators, the writers of the story, they're all, they're all. So that's not the, the issue. I do think though, is at least with Coco, Coco is very rose tinted as far as the way it looks at a lot of the culture. And what I like about the Book of Life, the Book of Life was also produced by a heavily Hispanic crew and your writers, directors, all that. But it's introspective and it does take the time to acknowledge the problems that do exist within not necessarily the concept of Day of the Dead, whether or not you believe in that or not, but also the culture as a whole. It does take the time to point out the problems, not necessarily just with Day of the Dead, you know, whether or not you believe in that, that's not... That's not really what it's, but it also kind of point. It also kind of points out the flaws and the problems that permeates a lot of Hispanic culture that you know are just now that are now post Me Too are starting to be addressed. Um, elaborate, please. elaborate. Okay. I'm kind of curious because okay. I, I so, didn't really. So first off, I'm just, I'm, so I'm gonna kind of just go into like how like things I like about this. What I really like this. You talk about the framing device. You're normally not a fan of, but it works. I really like it in this case. It's, it's part of the reason it works is because they do it in like five minutes and. The big reason I think it was really cool is so like they have little wooden people for yeah. like all. Of, so when they're telling the story, it's all done with like this stylized almost yeah. like it's like yeah. a, a bunch of toys come to life. Yeah, kind exactly. Of. That is awesome. Like after that, I'm like, OK, I, I don't care anymore. I yeah. don't care that there's no reason necessarily it's also like unclear if the museum is in Mexico or if it's about Mexico because they're like, this is about Mexico. And it's like, so, well, wait a second. Is this? They don't, anyway. really, they don't really say in the movie. Um, if you read you know anything about it online, they always refer to it as a group of young, um, young Mexican students. Okay. So, so I, I assume so it's I, supposed to So be. I assume it just takes place, especially with at the end when they say Mexico is the center of the universe. I think it's Mexico. The, the reason I found that unclear was because they're like referring to Mexico as if it's like some other place, the way they're talking about it. Yeah. 
that was just me. I assumed it was Mexico that like it took place in Mexico. But so, anyway, it was. Uh, so one of the, so I'm just gonna kind of go into kind of how I feel about it. And I'll address my issues that with Coco as I go into. It. So one of the things I really like about you know that framing device is this really does. Um, you know, there is all there all there always is, and you'll see this a lot with, with a lot of cultures. You know, Asian cultures, Black culture, um, that as you know, as, as you know, we progress, we kind of lose the idea of where we've come from. And I really like that this does come across as very much we want to educate you, but in a non-preachy way about the culture, as the, instead of just implying that we already know everything about it. I really, really do appreciate that approach because. You know, I find, like I said, you know, I was raised in Mexican culture. We weren't super, I don't know the ins and out of every single thing ever. So as a Latino, that to me, I really enjoyed that. I didn't feel like I was being talked down to, but I was still being educated. So I really like that. Um, so what I do like about this is there's that concept of, and it is echoed in Coco. However, it is different in the way it's echoed. Um, the concept of they talk about writing your own, the book of life and your story is blank, which means you're writing your own story because it's not matching up with what's on here. If you really think about Day of the Dead, Day of the Dead, um, it's a it is very common and it's probably one of the most important parts of it is you go and you visit your ancestors' cemetery. Cemeteries, you go and you decorate the graves. You uh, you know you leave offerings. That's just, and, and that you, of course you have your home ofrendas uh, to display your family's pictures on. But if you really think about it, a lot of what that does, that does sort of discourage mobility in life and leaving behind, you know, your village or your small town, or it basically kind of encourages you to become stagnant and basically um, stay in your hometown, stay in your your hometown, whole life. Don't move on because if you don't, you can't take part in all that. And Coco doesn't Coco doesn't Coco talks about, oh, you know, striking out, doing your own thing. But they don't really kind of address this idea of leaving and moving on, like if you think about it, they're not wrong. I'm just kind of curious because they, they, they wanted her to marry. They wanted Maria to marry Joaquin, and even though she kind of really didn't want to, because it's what's best for the town, and it's 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 sort of that thing. It's sort of that whole idea. I see what you're saying, because at least as far as the the argument about like the the this movie does not really argue against leaving your town either or like or it doesn't it, make no, a but, point about that but i know what you mean about what's best for the town but uh no but really the thing is the fact that it doesn't like you said it doesn't, manolo would have stayed in town too he, he would have stayed like, in town too but for i but for different reasons not because it's what was best for the town but because it's what he wanted to do yes and um maria as you can see she went out she of course she was sent away because she was wild <laughs> so, but she came back with all this out this outside knowledge that actually ends up benefiting you know, the town, but that's not something they see. They only see really what they already know. And this is going to, this is what's best for the town to do this. And yeah, whether or not I do think the movie makes the case that against uh, makes do, it does make an argument that this is a problem that we see occur in the culture. But the fact that it's even kind of addressed at all is something that I didn't see happen in Coco. Um, now, of course, Coco took place in, you know, in a major metropolitan, I believe. I want to say it's, it's Mexico. Yeah, no, I don't want to say it's Mexico City. It's a major metropolitan area. I also don't think Coco was really interesting because one is a love triangle. The other is a little boy who wants to be a musician. So yeah. it's well, I don't th- you're not wrong. I just don't think that it's a sort of. It wouldn't have gotten addressed in the story unless they went out of their way to like, you well, know, you that, know what that, I mean? Like. 
I mean, I mean, there were there were ways there were ways that it could have been brought up. For example, it's not that they wanted him to be a musician in Coco. They wanted him to be a musician and work and not to be a musician and work in the factory. They wanted him to stay and keep the business going. Like it was implied that he would kind of just stay there and continue the whole thing at the family compound in the city. And so I do think they could have been brought in that way. And it wasn't. It was kind of just more played of, oh, my family doesn't understand or they're afraid of music. Both stories, uh, the families are hilariously unable to like grasp any kind of nuance. And Coco, I found it funny. It's like you can't. I understand like the fairy tale logic of the musician ruined our family, so music is outlawed. But like the idea of you can't be a shoemaker and a musician at yeah. the same time, and it's the same thing in the Book of Life with the matador thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't be a musician and a matador. Why not? Yeah, like that was something I thought was funny and kind of ironically well, very similar to Coco. So, and same thing. Like uh, I agree with you because it. Uh, I didn't pick up on uh, the town and like the keeping your roots in one place as much, but the bullfighting is a very controversial thing, and I thought that was right. definitely kind of uh, criticizing the culture a little bit because. You know, bullfighting is it's pretty cruel, even even, even as cool as like it is to like do that thing. Like if you've actually seen a bullfight, it's pretty brutal. They're pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, So like that, that was an interesting for me. I felt like that was more of an on the nose. That was that was obviously a very on the nose thing. But again, that's something that, that that's taking a step further. Coco wouldn't have really dared to have any sort of critique against thing that could be perceived as Mexican or Hispanic. Well, plus bullfighting is more like bullfight, book but, of life takes place long before Coco. Cause bullfighting is not really a Mexican thing. It's a span. Yeah. It's, it's, it's from Spain. So like, I, I'm sure well, bullfighting exists in Mexico, but it's not as but, big like, of a thing as it is. The thing, in Spain. the thing, the thing that people understand about when people are like, Oh, there's a difference. There is a difference between Mexican and Spanish. However, Mexican people come from when, Spanish people came over and mated with yep, and with, that's actually with the native peoples of me, uh, of the land that we now know as Mexico, and that's where Mexicans come from. So there is a connection. Me, it makes me wish I had done more research into mythology because Zabalba is the name of the you know uh, god of the forgotten. The Aztecs had a god Zabalba that they would sacrifice well, and, yeah, people and, and, to. And, and, so it and, makes uh, you wonder if it's just the merging of the two. You it, know, it, La Muerte it, and Zabalba. So instead it, of I mean, it really getting is rid a of, lot. A lot of um, sort of. Um, if you look, if you really like look and you analyze stuff, a lot of Aztec culture ended up not. It, it, I mean, you you look at it and you're like, oh, this is nasty. A lot of it ended up being you know, woven into and influencing. For example, um, if you look at like in Louisiana, uh, a lot of um, French because it used to be part of France, a lot of French culture got interwoven into yep. Cajun culture, and, and, or, or, well, or it got mixed with Creole culture, and that became Cajun culture. It's interesting that the so there was. Britain, which came to, you know, the United States area, there were the French who went to Canada and Spain went to South America and Mexico, and they all had like different ideas of how to, you know, incorporate their like America. We all know what happened. It was uh, not a good I say America, United States. We we know what happened. We yeah. were we were probably the worst, second yeah. worst. I would. Well, Spain, like it's not just about intermarrying. There was a little bit of force. Put yeah, on I, it, I, so. I mean, yeah, but I'm just, the point is, is they no, no, came no, from I'm not, Spanish No, no, no. People, I, yeah. I, I but it, so there's that. And then the French were like weird. They kind of like just became like fur traders and then they it. Canada, have, in my opinion, has the most interesting history as yeah. far as like you know settling. My, and fav- my favorite thing is we is we went over and tried to take over 
Niagara Falls, he thought it was Manifest Destiny, the the Canadian side. And we and we slaughtered a bunch of people. It's really sad. So they one upped it and came and burned down our capital. We never we never tried invading it, which is why Canada, the Horseshoe Falls, is completely owned by Canada. Yep. And <laughs> our yeah, falls war, are lame. War of you can't you can't even see the U.S. Falls U.S. side. But anyway, so back. So, so what are what are some so, of the so, other okay, things so the, that you? So that was have. one of them. The other one I really really do appreciate about this movie is this movie's analysis and critique of. Uh, machismo culture, which is a very, very big part of, uh, at least for males in, in the Hispanic world, the whole idea of, you know, that you have to be a man's man and you have to, like they talk about, that's a Sanchez man. That's what he, and it was the, the fact that they really, they made, they made Joaquin, you know, he's the very, he's the very, very macho, very, and then we have Manolo, who is the very more sensitive one. And the fact that you really kind of put those two against each other so you could really see the difference you could really see the difference the fact that they one called that out two illustrated it and three had the more sensitive guy come out on top to me that's it that's a huge huge step as far as the acceptance of people and the way that they you know they choose to express their gender and their identity which is a problem i will i will say as far as coco goes the most machismo character in the movie is the villain so i will say that much well that well that's true but i i feel like i feel like the problem wasn't that he was sensitive and played music it was the fact that he was just a jerk I mean, the fact that he... But that plays into it, it, his machismo, because well, well, when yeah. you go to the actual musician, he's the much more quiet, he's, but, sensitive one but who wanted not, but, to return but, but, to but his he's family. But he doesn't have what's considered, at least in the culture, as um, feminine qualities. The sensitivity, this um, unwilling to kill, um, that... You know, yeah, he does. What are you talking about? Well, no, it's because basically... What I'm trying to say is there really isn't... they. They do. They don't. They don't. So there's that's that's never like a plot point in Coco. But saying just because he never says like I would never kill a bull. Again, like first well, of all, they, I will say point, in my opinion, my these point, movies aren't entirely comparable, other than the fact that they're both related to the Day of the Dead, and they both have to do with musicians and being unaccepted by their family. Yes, and uh, but a journey when, through the underworld. But the devil's <laughs> in the details, T. And the thing is, like again, like if. If you take the character of uh, the boy's like actual ancestor, like he's he's not he, he's not feminine, but he's not traditionally masculine. He's a lot shorter stature than the villain in the movie. He's that one who actually writes the music and is that sensitive. And he's the one who wants to return to see his daughter mm-hmm. because his family is more important to him than his career. So. Uh, I again, just, I don't, I just, there's I not feel, really like a critique I, of machismo in Coco, but I will just say that the, uh, what is it? Uh, De La Cruz, he's like I, the most macho I, so guy I, in the movie. I, I, I will agree with that. I just, I do think Coco had the opportunity to really call out this problematic aspect of Mexican culture and chose not to, and just to play it safer and just kind of create more of a movie that just sort of just kind of just celebrates it as as you know it's you know there's a there's a difference between when you are bringing a culture to the forefront like this it's very very difficult to 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 do that and not kind of point out you know maybe there's some stuff about it that's wrong and a lot of people are now coming to realize the whole idea of the machismo individual which i still have cousins who struggle with this even though they are some of the most liberal people i know they still struggle with this uh the, people are realizing how much of a problem that is in the fact that 
Coco had the opportunity to do that, and it's made by Hispanic people who know and understand you know how damaging that could be, and they had plot points they could have. And the fact they didn't, I think that was Disney trying to not stir the pot as far as let's just make it more of a celebration as opposed to you know. It's possible. I, I, I just I feel I, to me I feel like Book of Life is more self introspective, of 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 the whole of the whole idea of the culture. It's not obviously it's not the end all be all on every little aspect of it, but it does try to at least tackle some of the big problems gotcha. and do it in a good way. And I feel like Coco could have done that, but it may have in earlier drafts. But I do feel like Disney did kind of step in and be like, "Ooh, that's a little critical. We don't want to be seen as hating on it." Um, that's because, true. Because I, I, I do. A, well, I also think, especially in the country that we live in, mm-hmm. it's a little, you know, once you start nitpicking certain things, it gives uh, people with certain prejudices mm-hmm. uh, fuel to use that as, you know, talking yeah. points that the culture is inferior to their own. Yeah. So I don't think Disney's necessarily like not addressing it or something like that. But uh, what are some of the other things you think uh, is introspective? Because I do want to get into uh, what I think in a second. But uh, I am well, curious, like, what other things do you think uh, they kind of critique in in Hispanic culture? So what I in this and this is and this is more this is this isn't like more of a critique, but this is what I like about to me. This is what makes this movie feel real. They didn't feel the need to include um, stereotypes that Caucasians are familiar with. You know, to say, oh, this this is Mexican media. The biggest one, and I see this literally in every single piece of media that is produced now um, that involves Hispanic people, there's always this thing about the mother, it's called the chancla, hitting her child with her shoe. That, that which that is a thing that that happens. is definitely in Coco. That's sure. Coco. That's in Coco. That's in that's in basically any piece of media I've seen recently that involves Hispanic people. And the fact they didn't feel the need to include that to get a few cheap laughs. There's some cheap laughs. There are some cheap laughs, but it's I not will. it's not at the expense of the culture. No, absolutely. And, uh, that, and you, you definitely got me there. There's some shoe hitting in Coco for sure. But it's it, and, and, and it's but it's just like it's stuff like that that you know I'm just like you know did we really if you really wanted to be do we really need to pull out this stereotype to make this and I do kind of feel like that's one of the reasons why this was left to sort of a not as huge a release as like Coco was because it was backed by a big studio. 20th Century Fox is a big studio. Um, it originally was at DreamWorks, but they left due to creative differences. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of, I'm willing to bet that it's because they wanted to make some of these changes and make it more palatable to everybody, um, which I'm glad that Fox didn't do. But I do think because they didn't do that, I think that's why Fox kept it as sort of a, as sort of, you know, kind of a, a mini release. Um, but to me, this movie just in, in the way in its portrayal of culture and its portrayal of the Mexican identity is much more authentic than Coco is. Um, because to me, Coco kind of really they they pull out, you know, they really try. They, I'm not gonna, I'm, and I'm not going to I'm not going to really, you know, just like be a big downer all because that that was a milestone movie as far as a big deal for this uh, for my culture to be seen in this light in this big budget studio thing I, and a I'm, lot of a lot of people in the culture like yeah they do and, 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 obviously, like, and obviously i do not it's not them saying i hate coco i'm just saying of the two movies if we're gonna sit here and start comparing them book of life i think was did was much more positive not because it was you know a very well mexican culture is so great but because it is willing to look at itself and be like these are some problematic elements of this movie I mean, of this movie, of, of this culture that you know we need that we need to build on. Well, I think I'm going to get into uh, my opinion of this, which is mm-hmm. that it is an excellent movie. 
especially animation, A+, I think it's on par with Coco, mm -hmm, at, mm -hmm. which is shocking considering the budget. Uh, story is an A. The moral of, like, being yourself is A+. And uh, so the budget was only $50 million. Uh, and I'm I'm comparing to Coco again. Like this is a movie I feel like everyone's going to compare to Coco. So 50 million for this movie. Mm -hmm. Coco had 175 million because Disney has unlimited resources, and that's part of the reason I really, really, really wanted to agree with you about liking this more than Coco. And also, I'm gonna shout out the director Jorge <laughs> R. Gutierrez uh, has done a lot of uh, work on like Mexican cartoons for like Cartoon Network and some other things, uh, a lot of like goofy sort of like you can you can look it up. It's uh, but his his backgrounds in a lot more like kind of short form, silly sort of cartoons. So mm -hmm. it was really cool seeing. He also is him. great to follow on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And so this was uh, nominated for a Golden Globe and three other awards. The, and that was going to bring that up. I was I'm actually when I looked at what was nominated for best animated film that year, uh, I was like, seriously, I, I don't know how this got left out of best animated film for but I was like well maybe it was too small but then they had two other films that were up that year that I'd never even heard of for best animated feature yeah I'd have to look it up because I I know that it was nominated for some things but it wasn't nominated for, it, for it, did, it didn't get any Oscar nominations at all yeah which is shocking to me because I think it should have at least gotten the nomination mm -hmm. I don't know what else was nominated for an Oscar that was that the year, year of Big Hero 6 I don't know I don't know if that's what won but that's the year that that was nominated that's a pretty good one so anyway uh but uh, the the my problem with this film is that it suffers from a blight on the animated film industry that you see in a lot of lesser projects. Something that just irritates the heck out of me, and I have to knock it down a peg for one thing: uh, referential humor to pop culture. There's parts where Joaquin says, come at me, bro. I like so I, I normally don't take my notes while watching a movie, mm -hmm. but during this, it got so irritating that I just paused the movie and got my notes out. <laughs> the weird part is it cut this crap out about halfway through the movie. Like, so the first half of the movie is just loaded with this stuff and then it just stopped. But I made a few notes here. So for the pop culture references, there's when Joaquin says, come at me, bro. Mm -hmm. uh, there's uh, this. Is, so this goes into a later point, too. But there's that uh, Just a Friend song by Biz Marquee. You, you got what I need. <laughs> uh, irritating uh, for me anyway. Like, and also, I don't think kids would really get the reference. That was the other thing about both of these. Like, I know this came out in 2014, but every time there was like a pop culture reference, it felt really dated even for 2014. Mm -hmm. Sadly, like uh, 20th Century Fox does this. Like, I, I really wanted to like the movie Ferdinand from a few years ago. Oh, I, want, I still need to see that. It, I, I love it. It is as a kid. worse than this movie as far as pop culture references to the point where, like, it's. And it, it's it's in a lot of things like you'll see like a kid's movie and then the characters will be like doing the floss dance from 2018. And it's like, wow, you're dating yourself <laughs> really badly. And it annoyed me that this movie did this because it's like it holds it back, you know, mm -hmm. like you in good like. Animated films for kids, they don't feel the need to like reference things that their parents will get or, you know, like it, it doesn't rely on that sort of humor really like you know even in coco i'm trying to think of like I, I, you're right i don't think in coco there really is any like pop culture but i do know in other disney animated films 
it it doesn't seem as obvious because I think Dis- you're thinking of DreamWorks. Disney doesn't Di- well, sync well, to Di- it as well, frequently. Di- Disney will will reference itself a lot. Yes. So like, but to me, because Disney's so modern pop culture, it's kind of the same thing. But the fact is, they can do it because they, they can own, do it because it's their own. It's their thing. own thing, and it's less it's less obnoxious. But so I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is, I I can kind of understand your annoyance. To me, that's not With much this, of a deal. Breaker. I'm I'm annoyed because I wanted to again. I wanted to say this is better than Coco. Anytime mm-hmm. there's like a, a smaller animated film. I want it to beat Disney at the Oscars Mm -hmm. because Disney wins every year and it has unlimited resources and it's practically a monopoly at this point. I told you this is why I think I I wanted to love this movie more than Coco, but that's problem number one. Problem number two, and this kind of is something that is directly related with Coco, and I will give this movie credit because it, again, it does not have unlimited resources but it had non-original music for a vast majority of it. Thankfully, by the end of the movie, they did actually write a song. It's the one you hear at the very end, and it plays during the end credits. Mm-hmm. They did write that mo- that song for the movie, and same thing for when he's, you know, singing, Sar- singing to the, the ball. Exactly. Other than that, reliance on pop music, you've got I Will Wait For You by Mumford & Sons, Creep by Radiohead, which was cringy. I gotta say, the bit where he's like, Oh, no one understands me, so he sings Creep by Radiohead. That was I, a I, literal cringy moment. And see, I, don't, I I know I'd heard that song. I didn't know where I'd heard it from, though. It is, it is not no, I will say the funny, only thing the, the one clever, it is a joke that is 20 years old. But here's my thing. Coco, and this is where again, they have unlimited resources, but it is a, a movie about music mm-hmm. where every single song was written for the movie. Right. Now I, again, I know that this movie didn't have the money, but you have to pay to license these songs. Well, and with 20th, oftentimes, century, well 20th Century Fox, they may have already had licenses for some of these songs. Fair enough, I guess. But like the thing is, it, it just it, it kills it for me, especially in a movie where it's music centric. And I again, like if I'm being objective and I'm looking for things to knock the cult, the pop culture references were the thing that irritated me. But the the music, especially like when when the, the story is about him coming out of his shell and being his own person and the the two songs that were written specifically for the movie were at the end of the movie. It's like maybe the first time he sings in the movie could be when he's serenading the bull. Or it could or, be a story Or like you beat. said, if it's about a coming coming out of his shell and becoming his own person, those are the only two times he really sings. That's his what own I mean. Music. That's yeah. what I mean. For I the mean, whole movie, I, he doesn't I mean, sing until but I mean, the end. But I mean, maybe that that was the point. That's why he. That's why all the music before that. I don't think it was. I think mm, it was. I, I, I give Jorge some credit on that. I, I don't think that was the intention. And and the thing is, like, the music was good. It's just I got to I got to knock at points for that. And it's it's I will say the original songs that to me uh, to me feel a little more heartfelt and less, you know, like heavily, you know, scrutinized and had executives poured over it that the music, the co- music from Coco is still good. It's still good. But I, again, I didn't it, say but, that there's like, no, 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 I know. No, no, the music from Coco is still good. But my, I guess my issue with, I guess with like the only, the two original songs in the movie of this movie, I personally, to me, I personally feel like they are much more authentic than the ones in Coco are. Oh, dude, remember me? Re- re- no, remember, remember me. Me-, me. I'm sorry. Remem- remember me is a great song, but 
it does feel a little too polished for my taste for something that's supposed to be emotionally vulnerable. It does feel really, it does feel incredibly polished. Possibly. Which, that's good and bad. It's, it, like, when you get down to which songs are better, that's just a subjective opinion. Yeah, that is a subjective thing. And that's thing. the thing. Again, like, this is less about crapping on this movie and more of just me ranting so that this stops happening in kids, like, <laughs> animated movies. Because maybe we'll review Ferdinand and you can get a better idea of why it just irritates me. Well, when, you know what's interesting? When they feel it... the need to stoop to the level of, what's popular now, dabbing? Okay, let's have the characters dab on the haters. It's like or doing the floss dance okay, the floss or talking, dance, the floss or talking about stupid but you but, but you but see you what know, i mean it's like it's just don't so, date your movie so, and like i guess that. and i guess the reason why and i think we've had a discussion before about pop culture references the reasons why and it goes back to the type of tv shows that you and i watch whiskey what is my favorite favorite tv show in the world golden girls exactly and that has a lot of pop culture humor Again, it's smarter, it's well done, because it's not just, well, what's popular, throw that's in here. It's people making commentary about things that are happening and just drawing from current, you know, relevant situations. And that's fine, but and, that's and not that, what this movie exactly did. Exactly, that's what it is. But I'm, that's I'm, why I'm, 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 no, but I'm saying because of that, I'm, I, I can be a little more forgiving of when they show up. Now, when it's as obnoxious as, okay, they scored a goal, let's throw a floss dance in there. Yeah, that's a little obnoxious. It's, and that's why I'm, uh, again, I am annoyed because this keeps happening with... Keep, with companies that are trying to compete with Disney, they feel the need like they they have to. Oh, well, we're not going to beat Disney. Let's like appeal to kids. What are yeah. they there? Are they into Fortnite? What are you know, it's just like whatever is well, popular. They throw it in there because they think it will help their numbers. And it never does. This movie didn't even make like so the Coco uh, 800 million dollars. Coco was also a wide release, too. So was this. This was inter- Oh, this was a wide so, release. So well, internationally it was. Well, I know I got Oh, international. Okay. So internationally in the US, this only made its budget back. Yeah. Internationally it made 90 million. Yeah. That's the thing, guys, it doesn't help you to to just like so so the, again, this rant is less about this movie and just stop doing this because stop doing this because yeah. you're only hurting yourselves and it will only in the future when people are looking back at you know what movies were coming out it's just going to hurt you. And, well, and and even with a movie like Shrek, which also had no original music, it had tons of pop culture references. Like I, I still will well, not, even though that one, uh, the, the Academy Award for best animated that year, I will still hold it against it because it, it just, it hurts it. You know, um, Shrek could have been a better movie if the jokes were a little bit less well, about. Well, Sh- to, to well Shrek extent, is also recognized by the AFI as one of the greatest animated films of all time. And that's why I'm saying I'm not biased. <laughs> I'm just saying that it is something you shouldn't rely on. Because the other thing about Shrek, the pop culture references haven't aged as poorly because part of the well, reason. They feel, they feel more was, natural. Well, it also was like an anti-Disney movie. It was making fun of Disney movies. So when it's referencing Disney, it's almost kind of like a middle finger. So like, that's the, that's part of the reason Shrek gets a pass. But if I'm just judging, Farquaad was supposed to be uh, some executive at Disney. (laughs) He was supposed to be Michael Eisner, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. But which is rich coming for anyway, like that's a whole other thing. But yeah, like that's just something that just gets on my nerves. And I feel like it's out of control nowadays with movies that are trying to compete with Disney. And they think like, oh, just throwing in as many cheap laughs as possible is, you know, going to going to help their their case. And it rarely happens. 
And with this movie, especially like with the music, it's just really disappointing that they didn't come up with a more clever way to like, if they couldn't afford to write several songs, it's like, again, I'm sorry. I will. I will still, I will still believe that the read that what I said earlier is the reason why the, 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 the songs towards the beginning are unoriginal and the ones towards the end are the two original songs. It's possible. Because those are are the only two times he, as his guitar says, right. Uh, performs from his heart. It's entirely possible. I just don't. You think were just that, irritated by it. Well, again, all of this is front loaded because that the pop culture references in the cover songs are within the first thirty minutes. Then nothing, mm-hmm. and then the end. Like it almost makes me wonder if it was a studio decision. That's entirely because it, could have because been a studio it decision. just feels weird. Again, I I got out my notes because it was happening so frequently. I thought I was going to have to like list it for the. In- Entire runtime. Like, luckily, it's and not. then at like the thirty-five to forty-minute mark, there was just nothing. No pop culture references. No cover songs. Nothing. And then the very end, it was like you know, oh cool, so, original music. You so, know, and I had to look the the very very end song sounded like a pop song, so I had to look it up, and I did, and it was it was an original song. So, but anyway, it's like it I, just I, I irritates do. me because I wanted this to be better than Coco. I still think it is. I think I think uh, production quality it is equal to Coco, and I think that this movie didn't get a fair shake. And I I don't I, think it got a fair shake, but I also I also do what I do like about this movie is this doesn't feel like a manufactured um, product. No. It doesn't feel like a manufactured product to appeal. To okay, well, diversity's big right now. Let's make you know, let's make a Hispanic film. No, like, and I do feel not like, at all. I, I do feel like Coco can kind of come across as just very, very manufactured, very, very you know, audience tested. I just feel like a lot of it just does come across as ingenuine. I've, I I well, and that's the thing they call it uh, corporate wokeness or so, like yeah. there, there's like a term for it. With like it, it's same thing like when companies make like a political. tinted commercial to like piss off people so that there's like discussion there's out they call it outrage marketing but it's like where they intentionally try and piss one side off so that it gets a lot like like when like when gillette did that commercial where that guy where that father was teaching his transgender son how to shave and and then nike and then it's, it's a whole thing but yeah, that's the problem with Disney being as big as it is, is it's hard because that's the thing. And I, again, this is not a slam on Coco. Co- and Coco is Coco is did is did wonders for diversity and inclusion. And well, and I think too. even like taking the politics out of it, like you talk about it's like still movies movie. that mean things. It to does. People. Yeah. And it, that's what there it are meant people a lot. and who like cried at the end of that movie. I, I got to say, remember me. I teared up a bit. So like, I think. I like to to invalidate the movie just because it didn't do things a certain way is oh no unfair. and that's like, not if, what I'm trying to do like, at and all. that's and that's where I'm trying to like just be as objective as possible I think like objectively these movies are as good as one another I think that uh, Book of Life loses some points unfortunately for stupid jokes that aren't going to age well and for and again it's at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I don't know why they decided to like have freaking, uh, I will ask this, I will ask me, this. bro, which I didn't even know that was a reference. Like that. I thought that was just a phrase. It's, it was said. like a meme in the early 2010s. You know, it was like, if they like, come at me, bro, I don't just, tease I, me, bro. I just thought that was a thing. People said, I didn't realize that in that originated as a meme. I did not know that. It's the thing you like, you do, one way to tell if it's a meme or a meme <laughs> is, uh, is do people say it now or is it like do people I still la- say that you say come at me bro <laughs> i've never heard you say that <laughs> um 
<laughs> if if it's something that will make someone laugh if you say it like it's out of date then it's probably an a dead meme uh but yeah on the tier speaking of memes like this as, is well, probably like a, as we heard as we determined what the name for understair closets was <laughs> when it is a reference right? to ghost watch last month but <laughs> so like and speaking of memes i this is probably a dead meme but a while ago everyone was making tier lists for things um, and I, I, think, I still enjoy those. I, yeah. I like them, too. So if this were like the animation tier list, this would still be in the top for me. It'd be like an A or a B. Mm-hmm. Like S is like Toy Story or like, I don't know, or original Cinderella or like uh, even. And that's I the will thing. say one of the things that's really good about this movie is that it's storytelling aspects to me are very, very mature for the type of film that this is as a kids yes. or family film to me, it, it really do feel like I'm sort of watching, um, you know, one of those, you know, classic Oscar bait movies, the way the story's arranged and the way it's being told. I mean, obviously, you know, it's for kids, so it's not, you know, but you know, and I can always tell it because I have such bad ADD. It's like, it's like, I, I sometimes I will like space out for like a second. And I'll be like, wait, what's going on now? Well, and, and it's other- like, and, and to me, it, it, to me, the fact that they would that they trusted or at least, you know, gave kids the benefit of the doubt enough to be like, you can handle a more mature, you know, telling of a story than, you know, what most people think you can. And I, that's something that I can really, really respect and get behind is, you know, not underestimating the intelligence of kids. Absolutely. And I also liked, uh, again, with the three of them being uh, best friends, like I like that Joaquin has his own uh Character arc. Well, and also he's, he's a hero. The badge of everlasting life, if you really think about it, is a metaphor for um, machismoism because it's like without it, what is he really? As we determine, once he loses his kind of, I, once, I took, once he loses his well, badge, it's like oh. I took I took it as he never had to work for anything because well, that too. <laughs> because he he was invulnerable. He had superpowers essentially. But here's the thing. He as, didn't have superpowers except for the fact that he couldn't die. But that because he had that, he had the confidence enough to become this super fighter. But it's like once he didn't have it, he didn't have that confidence anymore. He, I hate to break the news T, but not being able to die is a superpower. Well, yeah, anyway, but, no, no, but um, I, mean, I mean, it didn't give him like super strength. That's what I'm trying to say. Super strength or mad fighting skills. Like he possessed all of that without the pin, but because he didn't have the pin that he knew would guarantee. But because like he didn't of any, the pin, he, he was able have, to learn how to do all of those things when you have, uh, cause I agree with you about confidence, but that's the thing. It's like, uh, Manolo learned how to do all of that. Which, by the way, did anybody else start thinking about shoes the whole time? Keep but his Manolo name? learned how to do that without, you Exa- know, invulnerability. But, but, but exactly. And so it taught him courage. And so, and that was the thing anyway. Like with Joaquin, I like that he gives the badge to Manolo at the end mm-hmm. as like, you deserve this more than me. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're the real hero because as as much as I'm going in there and I'm I'm beating people up and stuff, like I'm I'm a coward at heart. Because well, I never had the courage to like actually do this without the fear of well, death. And, and exactly, and, I, and like I said, I do feel like that is so that the badge symbolizes this persona that a lot of Hispanic men do put on of being super, of being super super, you know, you know, macho about everything. But you know, it's like there's under that what else is there? Because like he, I think you said, Joaquin, he he knew how to do all this stuff. He didn't need the badge to be an awesome fighter. 
to fight back, to you know flex well, his strength. He, but he, he didn't have the confidence without it because now he was like, oh, well, now I can die. And that is true. But he had the badge all through learning that stuff. Because remember, he got the badge before he that, started no, the, military the, training. Yeah, and that, all that. that's so, true. That is true. So it, the, that's my thing is like if he didn't have the badge, would he have been able to actually get, get through boot camp and all that? And to that's, me, it's, it's questionable. That's true. Um, that, that is true. I guess I guess the only point I'm making is just that. He didn't, no, I, I he, feel he, he didn't need the badge at the end to fight back, but he didn't have the confidence because it wasn't there. I feel you. I feel you. But yeah, so despite everything I just said, I do recommend it, especially if you are a fan of cartoons. In my in my honesty, I, I do think Coco's better. However, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the culture, because this does delve into things that Coco didn't touch on, like the uh, the wax maker, the candle oh, maker, uh, the, can- the candle maker, uh, who th- was voiced by Ice Cube, which I was like, that's a random casting because I haven't really seen him in this thing in a long time. <laughs> yeah. So like if, if you're more into it, you want to learn a little bit more about the culture. You like that animation style, because I will say if if Disney plagiarized anything, it was probably like kind of the glowy neon look of the, the I, will, I, will, I, I, I will say, though, because this came out like four years before Coco, I do think that Disney did sort of kind of lift the importance of music, the importance. Uh, they, I do think, they, I, think I, I do think they lifted a lot of stuff from this. It's hard to know because sometimes movies can be in pre-production for a really long time. But I, I agree. I do think that unless this movie was in production like 10 years before it came out. Like I do think that there was some influence from this movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think you should seek it out. If you like, uh, cartoons, if you need something for your kids to watch, that's really interesting. It has a great, you know, it has a great message and it's very, very, and it's, it's, it's still very, very, even without you talking about with your pop, it's still a very powerful movie. But yeah, I just had to rant about, uh, pop culture humor and, you know, using pop music in your movies for kids because it's just it's irritating at this point. No, but The Book of Life, terrific movie. I th- recommends from both of us, right? Thumbs yeah, up. Absolutely. Thumbs up. Uh, because I forgot to the beginning, I'm just going to go ahead and rattle this off. 2014 director Jorge Gutierrez starring in uh, the main role with Diego Luna as Manolo. We had Channing Tatum as Joaquin. Zoe Saldonado as Maria. Ice Cube as the candle maker, and we had, you know, some Hispanic sort of celebrities who were featured in it, as in uh, Manolo's band. We had Cheech Marin, and we had um, Gabriel Iglesias. They were both members of that. And then we also had a cameo from Mr. Del Toro himself, and you will never guess who his cameo was. Was it the... Now I, now I gotta think. Uh was he Maria's dad? He was not Maria's dad. He was. You, oh, I bet he was one of the bull, the, 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 yeah, the San, Sanchez's one, one of the, the matadors that, that had passed. No, no. So, okay. okay. And so you'll be like, really, that was it. But okay, so do you remember when they, when they first, when, um, Manolo first comes into the afterlife and he meets that captain, Oh, he was not the captain. Do you remember when he was like, oh, I miss my dearly beloved life. And then she pops he was up the for a wife? second. He was the wife that oh, pops damn. up for a second. And just I forget what she what, what he says, but he says something. Like, I was like, no, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I was like, I knew he was in. I knew he was uh, one of the things there. But yeah, so go ahead. Check this out. But 20th Century Fox, um, it's I, I actually, even though I own it, I purchased it for about seven dollars on Amazon. 
to own, not even rent to own. So it's not expensive to buy. Um, but yeah, I would go ahead on this day of the dead, check it out, watch it. Um, if you have Disney fatigue and you want something else to do to watch, it's a fantastic movie to include, or, you know, include it as, you know, a, a viewing with, with Coco because they're like, so they're both very different stories and they both stand on their own. What's a better song, no matter where you are, or <laughs> what's a, what's a better song, no matter where you are, or remember me, let us know down in the comments. If you liked what you heard today, go ahead and click the subscribe button or the like button. Hit the bell if you want to hear more from us in the future. Andy? Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll talk to you next time. Reels on the Rocks is a production of La Prince Laboratories. It is edited by Pat Mars and produced by Alejandro Castillo, with original artwork by Asa Sparza. Follow us on Twitter at Reels on the Rocks and tweet at us with any movies or topics you'd like us to discuss in the future.